0: And welcome to We Bought a Mic, a pop culture podcast with a very special episode, special guest here joining us. I am Ernest. And with me are Hunter Drew and Brian Adams is here. Welcome. How you doing, Brian?
1: Hello. 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 I'm good. I'm good. It's a Zoom this, call. I don't know why I'm acting like a phone call. <laughs>
0: this is a big this is a big, big deal. You are a a top-tier <laughs> supporter, fan, donor, uh, connoisseur of the We Bottom
1: Mike Empire. Yeah.
2: And so listeners of the pod are more than familiar with your
1: voice at this point because we've, we've played it's all been your surreal voices. to hear them pop up the voice recordings, because I'll be at work, I'll be walking a dog. And I don't know what the episode's going to be when I see it, but I downloaded <laughs> yeah. it that day. <laughs> so, then you, so
2: then you hear yourself and you're like, oh my God, I'm fucking famous. <laughs> oh, I made it. Gold you, tier. Are the,
3: you are the only person on the gold tier subscriber list. So that's the only reason why you're on. We are actually making a requirement for any future guests that they have to also like match or surpass your monthly donation <laughs> in order to be on the podcast. Even our recurring
0: favorites. Yeah. We don't we don't play favorites.
3: We don't have friends.
0: Yeah. So today on the show, we we basically knew that Brian was coming on. So we asked him to basically pick what do you want to talk about on the podcast? What what will make you happy? What will make your first appearance on the show as good as it can possibly be? And Brian, you. Uh, sent me a list of a couple of of things to choose from. And the he he you numbered it and you rank them. It was a ranking. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. number one thing on the list was Ridley Scott's Matchstick Men.
2: I didn't know it was number one. I, it was just the one that uh, it interested me the most. It's been on uh, my list for a while, actually.
0: So that's what we're talking about today. Here are the other things on the on the list.
3: Uh, I have it pulled up. Blast from the past.
0: Yes, which is the is the Brendan Fraser joint that caught us by surprise yeah, last worry. time we'll, you emailed uh, we'll us. We'll talk
3: Brendan Fraser later.
0: Captain yes. Fantastic, which is a great movie, everybody should see. I saw that. And Two Guns.
1: Cool. Is that the Denzel? Yes, Denzel, Mark Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> I was watching one of those Vanity Fair interviews where they break down their roles, and James them. Apparently remembers being in it, but I don't remember him. So <laughs> I guess he's in two guns as well. But yeah,
2: man, that does that. That's often the case with James Marsden. He's <laughs> a real blender. Um. Yeah. So why why were these your choices? Where did you just think that they had? Uh, there was conversation to be had about them, and we hadn't talked about them. Obviously,
1: <laughs> it was it was that they had. In my opinion, all the movies have a lot to talk about, even though they're so different. Because Blast from the Past is not in the same realm as Matchpick Men. <laughs> and I don't know where Two Guns Falls, but Captain Fantastic was only on my mind from a Lord of the Rings rewatch. And I love Vigo. Dude. Mm-hmm.
0: He's the man. He's the man. Yeah. And he's great in that movie. He yep. genuinely like gives a fantastic performance, full of heart like that that's one of those movies that really gets you in the feels. So we are talking
3: about a uh, matchstick men later on the podcast but are you saying that you recommend all four of these movies that you recommended? Absolutely. To us. Okay. Nice. I I might check out the other two. I I really want to rewatch Captain Fantastic cuz I saw it back in 2016. Hmm. I believe it that's when it came out of 2016. Yeah, it, it was is. it was pre-Pod, which I mean, did movies even exist back then? No, no, but, no, no. Moonlight, yeah. never heard of it. I don't know what that is. La La Land can't be better get than lost. can't be better than 100%. Your
2: your immediate things for movies before the pod, like the two biggest ones are just
3: that came out the year before, not like The Godfather. <laughs>
0: Um, um, last time I saw Captain Fantastic was when I had my parents over for New Year's, mm-hmm. and we spent New Year's watching Captain Fantastic, and it was a nice little, nice little New Sounds Year's. Sounds like a movie. nice little family. Is yeah. Vigo?
2: Is he an anti-vaxxer in that movie? No,
0: he would you say is is he or maybe his dead wife is (laughs) there's some yeah there are some vibes of that yeah uh, there's no way they're fucking
3: anyway Anyway. Well, he does have that ron paul flag
2: like
0: hanging up he's all about just like i i take care of myself the the young son is the guy from 1917 yes Mm -hmm. yeah because i remember watching 1917 and i was like i was like I've seen this guy.
2: He's good in in that movie. He's very good in Captain Fantastic. He kind of defects. Anyway, spoiler alerts. I'm very excited to get to Matchstick Men though, but first we do have some catch up to attend to. <laughs> so bust that out, Ernie.
0: Um all right. Well, Brian is going to do his own little catch up corner in a second, but before we get to that, we have to talk about the biggest cultural event of the year 2016 <laughs> or 2015 hamilton on broadway yes. has been transposed through the magic of cinema yeah to the year 2020 hamilton now, hamilton plus. is back and it is still with her <laughs> <laughs> brian what are your 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 uh, thoughts on hamilton
1: Honestly, I have only heard one bad review, and it was from Pete Holmes, and I think he knew he was supposed to like it, but he just didn't.
2: That's interesting that Pete didn't like you. Yeah, Yeah. you would imagine that he would vibe with it because of its like unbridled optimism.
1: (laughs) Dude, that is his. That is his thing. Yeah. 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 Wow.
2: Damn. That is blowing my mind right now. He's yeah, he's like the ultimate optimist. I've heard a lot of negativity about it from people who you would definitely expect negativity. from.
0: <laughs> so we we don't have to harp on this too much. Obviously, there's a lot to dig into with Hamilton. There's a lot of places where you can uh, check out other people that are more into musical theater. Um, but overall, I feel like, of course, the hate is coming. Now that the masses get to see it and it's not just relegated to the folks who get to go to Broadway. And it it does kind of like rub me the wrong way a little bit to have people be like, oh, yeah, the most popular Broadway show in the last 15 years is actually bad. <laughs> it's a great show. It's mm. a fucking phenomenal piece of work. The music is incredible. The choreography, the singing, like. The set design. The set, it's it's just yeah. so well made. And to see it with the original cast on Disney Plus is a treat.
3: Yeah. No, so what I would say is that if you are someone who is just vehemently opposed to musicals, Hamilton will not change your mind. Uh, it's not going to do that because uh, the movie itself is like two hours and 40 minutes. If you look at the soundtrack, the soundtrack is like two hours and 30 minutes. (laughs) So they're singing like the entire time. So if that's something that you are diametrically opposed to, then uh, Hamilton might not be your cup of tea. But on the other hand, if you do like musicals, if you like enjoy theater in any way, I think there's a lot to admire about it. I mean... It is missing a little bit of the heart with not seeing it in a theater with that audience experience. You're not in the room where it happened. Um, I will say this isn't my first time seeing a Broadway show on theater. I have seen. um, Please don't send the FBI after me. (laughs) But I have seen some illegal streams of some Broadway shows before. Mm. Um, And this is by far the best one because instead it's so well it's polished well it's well polished it reminds me because a lot of times people will take videos of the show but it's kept in-house for them to do stuff like do like work on choreography yeah, yeah. behind the scenes and then some dude will just take that so it's and like not cinematic so it's not cinematic in any way and whenever this um excuse me this product itself is a lot closer to whenever they do like the hairspray live or Jesus Christ superstar. If you've ever like seen NBC. those Yeah. Whenever they do those performances where it is, there is some dynamic camera movement yeah. in there, but you do get a little bit of that stage feeling with the moving stage, the moving set design.
2: Yeah oh hello on broadway is on netflix obviously yeah. and that's that's a huge one as, yeah, those as, are two guys though oh i know there's
0: no like dancing and movement and yeah singing
2: it's and... just the most recent example of this aside from spongebob the musical uh was televised actually mm-hmm. like very often by nickelodeon oh. very recently i didn't i i never um that. it made me uncomfortable to see all those characters as humans it made me feel really weird inside and is it like the same
3: it? as seeing shrek the musical because yes. that is a fever
2: dream it felt it felt that. odd um as a kid though i did did one of the VHS tapes my mom always had on was uh Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat, like a very cinematic uh mm. stage presentation of it. And it was, yeah, there it's a it's a very interesting uh like middle ground, I guess, between film and theater. And it can be very effective. Well, there are right. there
0: are some moments in Hamilton where it actually you get something more out of the filmed version that you don't get from the stage show where the camera is so close to these performers that you see the beads of sweat on their forehead and you see the spit flying out of their mouths as they're like delivering these incredible fast raps and belting songs. Jonathan Groff, Daddy <laughs> Groff as um uh King George. Have you seen Mindhunter, uh Brian? Man, yeah, I saw the first season just binged it when it came out, but
1: I so have Holden
0: Ford from oh. from uh Mindhunter is King George in Hamilton. He only has three songs <laughs> so wow. for a total of like maybe 10 minutes tops uh in the play. I love him with all my heart. I will do anything for King George. I would overthrow your own colonies just to make him a little a little angry boy he's a little angry boy and i want to <laughs> make him very upset <laughs>
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I agree with all that. What in the fuck? No, dude, when you I, said done, it got a follow-up. I started thinking back and I recognized him because I used to watch Glee in high school when it was yeah. still cool. Classic Glee guy. Dude, I, I loved g- that show. Oh okay. <laughs> dude, what did he do in Glee? He was like the rival school's best singer. Okay. That's starting to ring a bell. He killed it. It was Yeah, he
0: he wasn't the guy who like turned out to be a, a pedophile in real life. No, remember Glee? How? The point I think of- that was the uh, the bald guy, Puck. Puck, yes, yes. Him. Also, didn't the other guy like die of a heroin? Oh, Okay,
2: Jeez. what, yeah, what are that doing? was a dark
1: time for the Glee subreddit, man? Corey, it was. <laughs> <laughs> i was on there reading stuff yeah. and
2: Corey monteith we hate to see it uh, also as of recent there's been a big uh leah michelle hate campaign from other cast members on glee they've all been <laughs> tweeting about how she was a fucking bitch on set because she was posting a lot about her allyship with like the black lives matter movement and then her black castmates were like you were so mean to me is that the main
0: <laughs> girl yeah oh wow i i knew it dude i could tell <laughs> I looked at her performance. Yeah, you could tell. I was like, this bitch. So Hamilton is now on Disney+. Plus. Uh-huh. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about it is I understand how counterintuitive and kind of like lead brained and stupid it is to romanticize the Revolutionary War and the Founding Fathers, especially in 2020 with these protests and this this sort of evolution cultural evolution that we're undergoing right now i i get those criticisms of a play that was birthed in a pre 2016 election world um but the show once you watch it and you pay attention to it and you let it hit you on on the level that it's intended to you realize that it it's not really about the founding fathers. It's about the American dream of coming from nothing and rising up to success and making it in in completely um unlikely stakes. And to to take a white story and put people of color, black Hispanic people in in, in what you would think are strictly white characters and white roles is a stroke of genius and it becomes less about these actual historical figures and more about the notion of like this is a story for everybody this is themes that are universal
3: yeah, they I mean, they definitely try and they really play up the fact like Alexander Hamilton. He didn't like slaves. He was vehemently for abolition. And I don't know if that's historically accurate. Um, Just go read Wikipedia or a book if you want better historical knowledge. At the end of the day, this is supposed to be entertainment. And they are doing enough. It's kind of that thing that we've talked about before about is it better to say something but not be profound or to say nothing on the subject? And I think that this does write a good line because at the end of the day, it's not trying to say anything about race. It's more so trying to say something about colonialism and about trying to create your own life. I mean, of course, the big song from Hamilton is. not going to throw away my shot, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it is. That's the American idea in itself is just like seize every opportunity that you have. Um, I, a couple of major highlights from this: we talked off mic about this, but uh, Leslie Odom Jr., who plays uh, Aaron Burr, Aaron Burr, he's the star. kind of steals the show, and yeah. Aaron Burr kind of becomes a hero in a yeah. weird way because Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton are like two sides of the same coin. Uh, they're kind of vehemently opposite in some directions, but at the same time, they have so much in common personality-wise with each other. And also, my guy, Davi Diggs, um, in a dual role in this thing, he plays Lafayette and then Thomas Jefferson, yeah. which I did just laugh as soon as I saw a black guy playing Thomas Jefferson. Right, the irony. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I is that. he? Uh, Thomas Jefferson's children? <laughs> <laughs> yeah um
2: fucking slam really good
3: i'm hoping that i have at least uh in like my sibling chat that i'm in people in my family are starting to go and check out like blind spotting which is another project that he did that he also has like some freestyle rapping in for people who don't know he is uh ice cube's son um no way Ice Cube? Is it Ice no. Cube? Who is it? He's related to somebody famous. No way. Who? um We're going to clip this part. Ice
0: Cube's son
3: looks identical
2: to Ice Are you talking about Davi Diggs still? Yeah. No, Ice Cube's son is the guy who looks just like Ice Cube. Yeah, you're <laughs> thinking of O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yeah. He looks identical to Ice Cube.
3: So we're going to clip
2: this part from the podcast. Yeah, every time we say that, it comes true magically.
1: Hey, okay, well, yeah. one thing real quick. Okay, the last episode, when you guys were doing the Jeopardy, and you were like, what? say the full name of the band and he's like public enemy <laughs> Bro, i was thinking nwa too and i was cracking up <laughs> i blew it yeah i
2: blew i, I blew that but you know it was, it was for the
0: best i only knew it because we just did do the right thing and i was listening to the sound so i do I
3: I do want to apologize to everyone. I am going to correct myself right now so I do not get canceled. He's born in Oakland um and I just for some reason in my head I had it in my head that uh he was uh related to somebody from uh rap group and uh, he that is in a out rap group. Be, he's in the rap group clipping. He's yeah, I know that he's in clipping. De- um he W-J's is just is he clipping? is just a nice yeah. a nice Jewish guy. <laughs> okay now we actually have to cl- clip it <laughs> clipping
0: well it's it's okay because we like hamilton <laughs> so because we like hamilton we're mm-hmm. not racist yeah yeah
3: <laughs> Yeah, um, so I will say, uh, I was also saying this uh, earlier. If you want a time capsule, watch Hamilton and then watch Lin-Manuel Miranda's opening monologue for SNL that he did in 2016, because it's pre-election and uh, it's very much from a different time in our society, I'll just say. Uh, <laughs> so those things, he like walks past a picture of Donald and He's just like, he's never going to be our president. We be. Yeah, and uh, uh, not the best, but... Hey.
0: A couple couple last things about Hamilton. Uh, Renee Elise Goldsberry oh, as yes. um, Angelica mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Her voice is incredible. Also the girl who plays Eliza, also incredible voice. Uh, Renee uh, Goldsberry, she's the girl from the uh, co-op episode of Documentary now, mm-hmm. ah. who's like, God, I love this co-op. Uh, also in Waves as the mom. Um, So just so many people in this cast that went on to do other incredible things. Uh, Maybe they outshined Lin-Manuel Miranda himself. Hey,
3: um, I liked Mary Poppins Returns. Never saw it. I'm one of like three people on this planet who actually found it to be a nice, fun time.
0: I, I will say the fact that this man wrote an entire show on his own, all the words and all the music that is something that most people could never even dream of doing.
3: especially cuz we'll never see in the heights
0: no dude i come on
3: one day <laughs> maybe oh <laughs> i hope i want to see him i mean
2: i mean this guy was a substitute teacher whose dad was a billionaire it's impressive <laughs> it's incredible
3: yeah like when you think about his rough and tumble upbringings in washington heights manhattan um man it's crazy to think they No, that's 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 kind
2: of a defunct critique it's just it's funny to say <laughs> but i mean if we were to critique everyone who had rich parents who succeeded it would be everyone yeah. so uh, congrats to Lynn. I'm not a big musical guy. I'm going to watch it this week. I, I'm i not going to guarantee I'm going to like it.
3: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty much, really if good. you don't like it, you're kind of just like an uncultured piece of shit. So, <laughs> what
2: if, what if I don't like musicals because it's kind of the worst of both worlds? Because the music is worse than music and, uh, the theater is worse than theater.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you just I like guess don't like faith. art. <laughs> what, what are some good musicals you like, Brian? Mm. Hmm. You know, i
1: like um no for real yeah i i used to watch a few back in college um across the universe is pretty cool to me the one with I love um, across the universe yeah, i enjoy
2: that movie that guy from 21 i can't remember his name. jim sturgis. jim sturgis he is off the grid nowadays <laughs> yeah i don't I, maybe he was an yeah.
0: asshole or something he probably got diddled <laughs> by kevin spacey whoa
3: <laughs> jesus christ Ernest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean to the set of 21, they were slinging cards <laughs> left and right. You couldn't tell what was going on.
1: <laughs> what?
3: Wait, was he in Wanted? Or am I thinking of somebody else? The, where they been the bullet? McAvoy was the star. No, that was oh, McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah. He's kind of, maybe yeah, he weird. got he got market corrected by McAvoy.
0: They that do look no a sense. lot This alike. ketchup is off of the plate, <laughs> if you will. Well... Enough about <laughs> Hamilton. Let's move on to Brian. Every time we try corner. and talk about
3: theater, it just becomes a disaster on this podcast.
0: <laughs> you have a couple of things that you've been watching that you want to share. So why don't you take it away, Brian?
1: Yeah. So um, a couple of days ago, me and my girlfriend are going through a little IMDb uh, search for Julia Stiles. So I can't remember what movie sparked that, but um, 10 things I hate about you. Man, a dance movie. That's a good movie, though. Hey, it is. I like that movie. Um, Yeah, so then we're scrolling down and reading them off, and she recognizes the name Mona Lisa Smile. I know it's big. I just hadn't ever seen it yet. So, yeah, we find it on uh, Hulu, I think, that night. And, yeah, we watched through it. It it was a lot of things because for Hmm. a while I forgot it was so modern because period piece set in 1953 all women's college i don't know if ah, i can't remember the name of the college or wellesley, wellesley or well wellesley yeah Wellesley, yeah wellesley and um <laughs> yeah no it was good though it was cool i hadn't seen any of those movies with tom hanks and julia roberts everyone talks about i haven't seen much of anything with julia roberts but i knew her right away and mm. uh Man, the things it brought to mind, there's a movie called The Paper Chase from 1973 that is a super random watch. I went on in college, uh, Harvard Law School, follows the students one year of academics through it. And it had that vibe from just that old university aesthetic and uh good looking movie man it was yeah i'm into those old universities like k-state the one in town it's pretty classic i don't know the one brian K-State, does
2: have a giant k-state flag behind him <laughs> for the <laughs>
1: listeners it's yeah, all it was,
2: cats. It, it was like super on brand because you weren't even in frame when we got we connected <laughs> by video and i was like oh that's
1: brian's <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> definitely away from the computer, but that's it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, you know, I wow. haven't seen a lot of of Julia Roberts's uh, catalog either. But um, on the on the Lost Culture Reese's podcast, they recently did their top two hundred moments in culture history, and one of them was uh, Julia Roberts's big mouth,
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> and how it, it like landed her every role in the nineties. <laughs> hey, I Good
1: love podcast. some Julia
3: Roberts. You know, some Homecoming. <laughs> Get behind that. Um, also, Mike Newell, the guy who directed this, wanted to make Harry Potter Goblet of Fire the second best Harry Potter movie, in my opinion.
2: Is that the one with uh little Bob Patty? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we love him. Gets
3: fucked. Good to see it. One
2: thing
3: about
1: what
3: what is what is this movie? Like, what happens in this movie? Is it like a
1: romance or is it I think they bill it as a romance, though throughout the movie, her two romantic leads of tail off it, it, it's supposed to be a romance movie but also a coming of age man i might have had different takeaways than some people because so julia roberts she shows up she is a alumni of the college though never got her doctorate never got her master's just went to the school though so she's kind of always held against her by that but she shows up and day one every student in class knows her entire syllabus because They all just binged it over the summer, I guess. And the movie follows her coming up with abstract lessons about art to try to communicate some lessons that these super type A students might not otherwise get from just binging the syllabus. And yeah, yeah, no, that's kind of the summary of it. Yeah, there's a lot of different meandering plots because you got Julia Roberts is the main cast or is the main lead but then there's a group of four students that the film mostly follows and they're interacting with Julia Roberts um, Kirsten Dunst, Julia Stiles, Maggie Gyllenhaal and yeah.
3: I love Maggie Gyllenhaal.
1: I do too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, the superior gyllenhaal
1: that's, that's just kidding such Hunter, a, don't it's give it an it.
0: interesting it's such an interesting <laughs> touchstone i mean we're we're going to talk about matchstick men in a little bit but like this sort of mid 2000s era was like the last gasp of this kind of movie this yeah. sort of like middle of the road adult drama actually doing well financially like this movie made 140 million dollars out of a, tw- a, tw- a 72 million dollar budget wow so
2: awful lot. yes that's the budget we're talking about mid mid budget because matchstick men unfortunately didn't make money uh, but it, it was around the same budget right and julia roberts
0: apparently received a record 25 million dollars for her performance according to wikipedia the highest ever earned by any actress at that time
3: get that money julia hell yes get that fucking money was this like an awards movie it was nominated for one golden globe for best original song so it didn't i it seems like a movie that should have been like slated for awards maybe if it was like coming out in 2020 it would be received differently it would get kind of that uh I don't want to cast just put this on it because it's also a story about women, but like something like little women where it gets nominated for a bunch of things, but it's not going to win anything. Unfortunately.
0: Did you, did you like it
1: though? Would you, would you say it was worth it? I did. Yeah. I, I could tell watching it, that it was a very well-received movie. I don't know. It, it looked good. had a huge cast at least for people of the times. I don't know what happened to Julia Stiles um, or many of them, but yeah, I really liked it. Though so the two things that I wanted to mention were two um, background actors. Not at all. One's a background actor. One is a uh, love interest of one of the leads. And it's weird because you're watching the movie and it's set in the 50s and it's so well done. All the costumes just everything. That then one scene pops up and Topher Grace walks in because it's from two thousand three, and it completely (laughs) threw me. I told my girlfriend like, I forgot what year this was.
2: Brian, one of one of my favorite movie moments ever was when me and we were in uh, the theater for Interstellar, Ernie. And when Topher Grace comes <laughs> in and we, we both just started laughing, he like no matter when, whenever Topher Grace walks in, it's like, all right, this is a movie I forgot for a second, but it is
1: like
0: <laughs> he's also in um, Under the Silver Lake which is the, the episode that you e- found this podcast. <laughs> that is special,
1: okay? <laughs> because I watched that movie, and then the next day, I find like three or four podcasts that all had episodes about Under the Silver Lake, and I didn't even recognize Kilper Grace at first in that. Like, he's got this... Long deep, hair. Yeah, yeah. It was a different look. Yeah, But yeah, your Guys is, is the podcast that persisted. Because I think I started shit the big picture. Hey, <laughs> uh, unspool. Talk about something more recent,
0: dude. I I tried to get into unspool and I just couldn't. I couldn't do it, man. I, I love them. Talk like, about. Oh, of course, the, the best of course. movies of all time. Yeah. But it's just like add a little bit of fucking flavor in there, man. <laughs> Give me a little bit of like call each other sluts or something. Rest That's what it we
1: up. do. Burn it <laughs>
3: So, I just looked up Topher Grayson under the Silver Lake and he looks disgusting. Yeah. I'm just going to say no, right he's now, a, like, he, he's he a looks like He's
0: a sleazy. He looks like a fuckboy. Yeah. Uh, what What's the scene in that movie that he has like the drone and he's like snooping on women with yeah. the drone
1: camera? Yeah, the camera cuts to the drone's point of view. And dude, that's a weird scene. Yeah, because then it starts yeah. all, oh, he's creepy and sexy, uh, The then it gets. <laughs> Like, it's like a minute and a half that just And then goes she downhill. starts crying. She starts crying. <laughs> and
0: okay. then you... I don't think you ever see Topher Grace again in the movie after that scene.
1: No. And I, I'm just, pretty sure that's it. Yeah, he's there talking conspiracy theories. Like, very... What oh, we talking is that about? that Topher those... Grace?
3: I just looked up what Topher Grace long hair. It's straight. like the fifth picture down. It's a shirtless picture of him taking an undershot, no. and he's just like wearing a chain with his long hair. <laughs> oh. This is incredible. I'm I'm now going to see
0: Under what the Sofa happened? because of this picture. <laughs> That's what happened, intense, Topher man. Uh, Well, better. I'd rather wow. have that than what happened to Hyde.
3: Yeah, that's well, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: he looks like what Hyde actually is.
1: Um, okay. anyway, one last thought. About, I'm, I'm, tell oh, me. yeah, man. Okay, so the other there was Copra Grace who kind of threw me out of the uh, pastness of it, but then, um, Kristen Ritter, the actress that plays, um, uh, I love Kristen Ritter, and, yeah, Jessica Jones, and like three other roles. She's just been around much longer than I thought she was. And mm-hmm. it was cool. Yeah, she had a little pixie cut and didn't say anything in the back of the scenes, but she was always near Julia Roberts in the group scenes. So I think the director saw
0: something. Good chance. This was right before Spider Man, or maybe like right around the same time. Well, Kristen Ritter, not Kirsten Dunst. Oh, yeah, shit. Kristen My Ritter. Bad. My favorite from Breaking bad. <laughs> <laughs> <Tover Jessica>
1: Jones,
0: <laughs> Breaking bad. Jessica Jones,
3: Breaking Bad. Don't trust the bee Don't in apartment twenty three. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: Who yeah, could yeah, forget?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Breaking my, my Bad was the
1: bad. one <laughs> that was on the front of my head. I just couldn't remember it because I finally <laughs> just started watching that series. Oh wow! Like, that's a big. you
0: treat. Oh, for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Dude, we, um yes. It's probably
1: halfway through season two. And
0: okay. <sighs> All right, so it's picking up. It's a yeah lot. It's, it's
3: one of those. It's one of those shows that has just a positive trajectory all the way through. Like, season one is good, and then season two gets better, and then season three. But, like, it mm-hmm.
1: just,
0: it's an upward slope. Have the you whole gotten way to the Jane character yet?
1: Is she the landlord that lives beside? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. Her and, um... Aaron Paul, Aaron Jesse. Paul. thank you, Jesse, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, I think they've been dating for, like, one episode, but... Yeah. Dude, uh, all right, you got it. You
0: got uh, it. it write in or or <laughs> or voicemail or something or yeah. maybe we'll do another episode, but where that plot line goes, you haven't gotten it spoiled for you, have you? Nothing about the
1: show has oh, been spoiled. Good. Yes. Okay. <laughs> where
0: that plot line goes is the heart of the show. It is such a pivotal plot line. It's so good.
1: Okay. I'm
2: excited for you. I'll so you guys what, what else? What else you got though on the uh, on the dog? I'm excited for the next one. I All mean, right. I really am. <laughs>
0: Uh, so that's Mona Lisa Smile. It looks like the next thing is called uh The Scout. Is that how you pronounce it? It is, yeah. Man, I was looking up the I
1: was looking up the guy's name, Albert Brooks.
0: Oh, this is an Albert
2: Albert Brooks. <laughs> well, he's, joint. He stars. He didn't direct. Oh, okay, okay. Gotcha. Is he a director? Yeah. Yes. He oh. has done a lot of good uh he, Yeah, he's written and starred in a lot of movies.
0: Huh. And
1: well, yeah. yeah so he, he, or tell me. No, he
0: did uh I was trying to think of the big one he did. Uh I think it's broadcast news.
3: Mm. I I mean he's done a ton of yeah, stuff. He's he's, he's done like comedy a legend. stuff. But wrote it for the first done... season of
0: SNL. Yeah. The scout is uh him and uh good old George of the Jungle himself, yeah. Brendan Fraser. The man. The oh
1: yeah. Okay. Brendan Fraser, again, I've heard of this movie every time people start talking about the best sports movies of all time. You got The Natural. Um, I, a lot of baseball movies I haven't seen. They're always baseball. Like, yeah, like Bull Durham or whatever. Yeah, Bull Durham for the Durham Bulls. I watched <laughs> Hardball with Keanu Reeves when I was like 11 or 12. Also a pretty good baseball movie. But, anyways, The Scout. Okay, so I watched it today. No job to show up to, so I got a day full just free time. And I'm looking up Brendan Frazier's IMDB page just to see what just to see what, he see what he's been up to. But yeah, poor poor fella. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he's got these past gems to look back on, like Monkey Bone and the Scout. And <laughs> no, the Scout was good. It's it starts with okay, uh, yeah, Albert Brooks, he's a baseball scout for the New York Yankees. And the opening three or four scenes is apparently he convinces Michael Rappaport to join the Major League Baseball League instead of going to college, and then it shared with Rappaport kind of bailing out in the middle of the game from the pitching mound. He had the jitters, didn't have, I don't know, the pro nerves to get through it or something, so Rappaport leaves the game, and... Albert Brooks loses all of his credibility, gets sent. Yeah, and they're like, if, if you have one more bad fuck-up, you're out of <laughs> yeah,
2: here. Yeah, get out.
0: Three three strikes, baby. <laughs>
2: you know how baseball works. You know works. baseball. <laughs> you know it's
1: football. the same rules for everyone. <laughs> oh, God. The movie goes places I didn't expect because, so because Rappaport kind of flunked out so hard, when Albert Brooks brings Brendan Fraser to, uh, back to New York for baseball, Coach says we need to have him see a psychiatrist to at least get her to write off if he's sane and he's a good investment because the Yankees picked him up. And there's this whole thing where he's not going to play unless the Yankees, who with the time we're doing pretty poorly, make the World Series. And they end up making it. And Brendan Frazier has to start the first game as pitcher. But that's after a few months. Uh, maybe a few weeks of him having to go to the therapist and man I think these movies I tell you guys about that are so layered for just being a baseball movie <laughs> yeah
3: yeah. I, I mean, I I was going to say Michael Rappaport is one of those guys that it's kind of, he has the Topher Grace effect where I see him and I'm like, this is a movie, but it's in the best possible yeah, way. Yeah, it's, it's a better than I Topher Grace. Just, no, but it's that thing where it takes me out of it it makes me realize that I am watching a movie every time Michael Rappaport pops up, but it just also just brings a smile to my face. Yeah, you're like, hell yeah, Because I just Rappaport. love that guy <laughs> so, so much. Like, does anyone go, oh, fuck yeah, Topher Grace.
0: Oh. <laughs> This scene's gonna be juicy. Um, You're like, God damn it! So this fucking guy, I,
3: Brian. I have to—is this a good movie? Because it has really oh. bad reviews. All
1: right, I'll tell you. I looked up these reviews. And, oh man. Okay. Again, I'd recommend it to some people. I wouldn't. I don't know. It's like it's slow paced and it's got that. I can't remember what year it was made, maybe like late 80s? It's 94. 94, okay. So it's got that kind of comedy pace where if you just sit back in the couch and watch it start to finish, you're going to just laugh a couple times, breathe out of your nose a few times. Like, it's a little funny, but damn, it just gets a lot more still funny, but getting pretty dramatic by the end. And I slight spoiler, I don't even know. He ends up At the start of the World Series game one, his nerves get him to climb on top of the stadium, and Albert Brooks (laughs) takes an elevator to the top of the stadium, and they're like having some big speech. And then he goes down, and I'm just gonna ruin this movie for you. Yeah. He he goes down and he's like, he gets past his nerves because he says, it's just losing worse things happen, like duh for one. And so then it goes <laughs> to pitch, and it cuts to the very first pitch and then the very last batter. So there's three, like nine, I mean, 90 pitches because it says you will be the first pitcher in history to pitch a strike every single time, and not one batter has made the ball. He's not in the perfect game <laughs> at the minimum number of pitches possible. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, 100 strikes in a row, and he gets the best game ever, and then the movie ends. And it really just feels like a story I'd tell a friend. I don't know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds what it, you're describing sounds like a fake movie. It doesn't I, I,
0: sound I, real. I, I, I have a couple questions. So first question, do you how well do you buy Brendan Fraser as a baseball player? Okay. So he's fit. Man, he's that's 94. He's he's like the yeah. mummy rip. Great looking guy. Yeah.
1: And I was gonna actually, I was gonna mention to y'all, he's got this shoulder length hair that I know he just misses. <laughs> 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 he, that's the thing, he's mummy fit. He's uh, uh yeah. But he's he, Georgia the jungle fit. Also thinking-
3: Ernest, uh you're You, I don't know if you know this because it's not like you're a baseball guy, but um, you don't have to be
0: three strikes you're out.
3: You don't have to be fit (laughs) to play baseball. Look at a picture of CC Sabathia. The dude was like (laughs) 350 pounds, and he was pitching for the Yankees. So I mean, it doesn't really. You can kind of look like
2: anything. It's a dumb (laughs) sport. You can hit the ball.
1: (laughs) Hit the ball or throw (laughs) fast. One of the things about like him showing his athleticism with Albert Brooks is. In some small village in Mexico, and he just goes to some local game. The outfield, center field fence opens up, and Brendan Fraser is on a throne being carried out by like 20 people (laughs) to the field. And then that's
0: amazing. It's
1: a lot, man. They and he just he says he's never practiced. He just knows how to swing a bat. But then they show him warming up with like five bats in his hand. (laughs) He drops four of them right behind him, and then just stands at the plate. And I don't know, it's a lot, it's the absurdity of it, what? but I don't think if you like baseball, you'll like this movie, now that I think about it. Because, I don't know, man, there's so many baseball movies, but if you like Brendan Fraser, like 10% like him, it's a really good movie. I think I, I think, think there used to
0: be more baseball movies than there are now well baseball matters a lot
2: less now than it used to in the popular like lexicon it's it's less of a thing because
0: you used to have a league of their own field of dreams the natural like there were it was just like so many all the time it was like a whole genre pretty much it wasn't just sports movies it was baseball movies and now like moneyball came out and that was that like that's it well it also plays into what you're talking about with mid-budget movies because that's exactly what
2: almost all sports movies are they're all you know they they require locations yeah. and it's like not larger yeah larger casts are required uh but also they're not like you know they're not breaking a hundred most of the time
3: yeah I mean well this movie the box office <laughs> the budget was twenty million dollars this movie didn't make three million dollars at the box <laughs> oh, office
0: no <laughs> Two-
3: 2.6 mil <laughs> 2.6 mil on a $20 million budget oh, no. so even back in 90 Four. 94, this movie still couldn't even make back its budget oh. and that was like at peak Brendan Fraser too which is kind of sad here's the deal um I love sports movies. It's kind of like, especially, a, a well, not especially, but I also really enjoy like bad sports movies or really corny-ass sports movies just to have like something to throw on and just kind of have fun with it because every sports movie, you know what's going to happen five minutes in. You're like, oh, this is the underdog who's down on his luck. Okay, cool. I can't wait to see him bring it back around. And
0: you're going to feel good by the end
3: of it. Yeah, that. and- so I'm probably, I'm just going to like put this on tonight whenever I go home or tomorrow. It's on Hulu.
0: Yeah, it's on Hulu it's right on now. It's on Hulu, I just, I know. the Scout. Go and uh, Mona Lisa Smile is on HBO Max. Yeah. So you can check out both of Brian's... What's- uh, Recommends what's
2: a little bit unfortunate is there's definitely some, uh, like kind of like junior executive for this, uh, whatever company made this movie that lived out the scout, except he failed. (laughs) Like he was Albert Brooks, and they were like, Last chance, buddy. Well, he's like, Okay, Brendan Fraser, the scout, it's gonna work.
0: So, (laughs) so this is what Wikipedia says it was based on a Roger Angle article that had been optioned by Andrew Bergman's production partner. So he wrote the the script uh, for Jim Belushi to play the player. Oh, man. And there were five different versions of this movie. Um... So these these 90, Roger Engel okay. and and Robert and Andrew uh, Bergman are the guys who are credited with the screenplay it, along with Albert Brooks. It's original,
2: uh, like it must have been written in the eighties then, because by like two thousand and two, yes, no, th- this he was is what old it as it shit. There
0: were five versions of this movie. The original version was: we found this guy in Mexico who's the second white man ever to receive these injections. The first being Babe Ruth. Wait.
3: Wait, Brian, so you Wait. tell me real quick. <laughs> Brian, is this movie better or worse with Jim Belushi in the Brendan
1: Fasher spot? I would be so upset if yeah. that's and, what I turned on. Dude, Brendan Fraser, yeah, he's a star attraction.
2: Next question uh, is, would Earth be better off with John Belushi <laughs> still alive and not Jim Belushi? <laughs>
3: yeah, can we, can we trade? Can we, like... send like a message to God and be like, Hey, you want to make a trade or,
2: uh, speaking of, speaking of that crop of, uh, talent, early SNL, this guy who directed it did direct Fletch, which is a lovely little comedy. Fletch.
0: Great movie. Michael Ritchie. Yeah. Wrote cool runnings. (laughs) Well, that's scout. Everybody check it out. I think that the, that, yeah, this is the other question that I, that I wanted to ask you is like, you know, now that we're like multiple months into this pandemic and we don't have a summer movie season, what do you think is the value in seeing movies like this, like Mona Lisa Smile or The Scout, like these like older movies, you know, we don't have big new movies coming out. Like, what what is the meaning to you of going back and seeking out movies like this?
1: I've always kind of considered movies though far outnumbered, to be like books where there are so many to just go back to that, though, um, (laughs) I think it's really important right now, at least, because, I mean, I try to follow these, what's going to be released on video on demand for uh, things that skip theaters. I'm kind of unfamiliar with all that, but I heard the trolls conversation and I'm just thinking like that's the only conversation. Did I sell you on it?
3: Did I sell you to spend twenty dollars or what? That hell no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like I oh man. Um no, but it's it's funny because there's just there's so many movies from I don't know, it's like with Matchstick Men and Mona Lisa Smile. All these movies I'm like kind of watching randomly. Stack cast and looking back i always have fun seeing who's been in what some sort of ensemble cast and when you just kind of load a movie by rant i guess it's never super random because you have to find it but um i don't know i just think there's a lot of good to come from finding good old movies off of recommendations because i do like that kind of tensile production of like 90s movies the early aughts kind of i mean Mm -hmm. even 2003, Nash, Man and Mona needs to smile. It's like they have that glint to them that I just appreciate
2: yeah it's it's really true like it's the form has changed so fucking much in in such a short amount of time that it's uh i'm like you i'm coming on late to movies in general i was a tv kid very famously Mm -hmm. i was only allowed to watch jeopardy and um arthur
1: (laughs) arthur is okay yeah
3: (laughs) arthur slaps
1: okay for one so
0: this this is a perfect segue into our main review today matchstick men a ridley scott Joint starring Nicolas Cage (laughs) and Sam Rockwell and Sam mostly just Nicolas Cage yeah going uncaged (laughs) Uh, not as uncaged as he is in other works but more than I expected so yeah yeah, so the the IMDB synopsis is a phobic con
2: artist and his protege who is Sam Rockwell are on the verge of pulling off a lucrative swindle when the former who is Nick Cage his teenage daughter arrives unexpectedly teenage daughter uh, is played by Allison Lohman who I really I thought she really nailed her role she hasn't been in a ton more stuff uh, since then but Brian, what does this movie mean to you?
0: Yeah, this was your pick. You know, we gave you the floor. You're like, I was like, all right, Brian, we have to have you on the show. We have to have our number one supporter uh, be a guest. And you have free reign to pick whatever you want for us to talk about. What made you pick this movie? Pure
1: nostalgia. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I remember... Uh, we moved around a different. I uh, moved around a couple houses growing up, and out at one specifically, the only couple things I remember really were watching Signs and watching Matchstick Men. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, and I'm not gonna rewatch Signs. I don't, scary movies are a hit or miss. I get scared easy, but we're talking. <laughs> That's match. a spooky movie, dude. It is. It, oh God, gotcha. <laughs> <just played> It is <laughs> played. Yeah. So Matchstick Men, though, I remember watching it with my family when it came out. And um, I'd always remembered it mostly is, which isn't, I guess, the best rank, but it's my favorite Nicolas Cage movie. And I really do like Nicolas Cage. Okay. so after watching this, I think that
2: this is his best performance that I've ever seen.
0: More than adaptation.
2: Um, Adaptation, Mm -hmm. it gives him more to do. Of course, like literally there's two of him and also like he gets, you know, he gets to pop the fuck off an adaptation. Um, but this movie, I think, is elevated so much by him being in that right. role. I think he is so incredibly funny. And in adaptation, that movie was going to be so funny no matter what. And it is funnier because of Nick Cage. But this movie, there are a lot of shots where it's just a hard cut to him and he is being physically hilarious. Yeah,
3: his his nice. twitches in this movie are he's So good. I mean. This is my favorite Nick Cage performance. Like, I do love Adaptation. Face Off, of course. Leaving Las Vegas, which he actually won the Oscar for, is an incredible movie, and it's, like deeply depressing if you want to see like Nicolas cage chugging kind of, liquor kind of doing a very similar type performance to this but in a much more sad way go <laughs> see leaving las vegas Yeah, and this he um, has
2: they say phobic he has severe uh ocd in yeah the, in this movie.
3: but it's never ocd is never actually said once in the film i don't believe no. um but yeah, I'm eating. This movie is a blast. Like it was just we were we watched this movie all together right before we did the podcast. Um, and like five minutes in, I think that we all collectively were like, okay, yeah, this fucking. I course. I no, I literally like five minutes in, I said, I was like, I love this movie. So
0: <laughs> I, as soon as soon as Nick Cage says the line, "Some of these whack jobs." <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, Brian picked a gem. It's a gem. It really is a gem, man.
2: And it and it did uh, pretty much fail at the box office. The budget was more it was like 65 mil and it only raked in 60 like low 60s, I want to say. Uh, and it's very fucking unfortunate because I absolutely loved this movie. Like I truly I'd watch it again like soon. And that's that's kind of rare. But this is just like front to back. Very it's entertaining. It's it's a very smart script, uh, not in terms of like there, there's a lot that we can't spoil um but just in terms of uh character detail and dialogue it's very very uh, it's it's not smart in like a quick way that you would find on like miss mazel or something like that it's just intelligently written characters like there there's a lot of room for comedy and breathing room but but there is also uh well-earned drama it's not just like thrown in there like okay we have to have drama i know it's funny no there there is a a Fair mix, I'd and say, and it's organic. Yeah, a fair mix of tones, and it never feels like, it rarely feels like whiplash to go back and forth between the two, like slapstickiness. Because
0: yeah, half of this movie is a like rip roaring good time con whiz bang movie, and the other half is like this drama about this very ill man, this very sick man with with this obsessive compulsive disorder. And to be honest with you, I I did feel like there were times where the tones didn't quite work and and it didn't quite balance those two halves. But when you stand back and you look at the whole thing, it it works and it works because of nick cage and i think he's the glue that ultimately brings it together there are a couple scenes here and there where i felt like oh okay now we're in the now we're in the con man movie oh okay now we're in the ocd movie Mm -hmm. but i was always having a good time i was always enjoying myself
2: yeah he is he is so magnetic in, in this character like he is so you you just fucking stare at him whenever he's on camera he's always doing the right thing uh, he has a couple line reads that are just like instant legend status. I don't... The... Oh! <laughs> oh!
0: Oh! oh, oh, oh <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> really good. <laughs> Brian, I have a question. Are you like... Are you a big fan of these type of con artist movies?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny talking about 21 earlier even because that movie took a whole spin mm-hmm. I didn't expect in the second half where on a rewatch, which... I watched it earlier last week, and then I watched it again today. Um, Match Pikmin, it's like, yeah, I like seeing how the play goes across the movie. But I'm not someone that picks up on things the first time. Where I'll genuinely be surprised at the end of a movie. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I do like con type movies. And,
3: yeah. So what I was going to say is that this movie reminded me a lot of uh, because I just watched it on my Oscar watch through a couple weeks ago at this point was a movie from 1973 called The Sting, which is kind of the first one of these movies uh, that are kind of the con man heist but it's mostly it's just kind of grifting at its core of just finding like your subject and just trying to rip them off for money the whole exchanging briefcases my introduction to the movie the sting was actually through a community episode where they just like talk shit about the sting and talk about how it's a terrible movie but I actually enjoyed that movie because I love con man movies like I love all the oceans films even oceans eight a movie that is uh, perennially hated I had like a fun time in theater for the most part while watching that movie because it's kind of like sports movies for me like I'm easy to please on that front Mm. Uh, but I would recommend that to you it's Paul Newman Robert Redford from 1973 and it's just so many similar vibes to Nick K agent Sim Rockwell in this movie where it's just them playing opposites each other and then playing partners and like building entire fake sets to try and grift this one unsuspecting person.
2: I'll I'll give you another comparison here. Uh, The Nice Guys. Yeah. uh, 2016 Shane Black movie, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. Mm -hmm. uh, That's also set in L.A. It's also just a hell of a buddy hang movie. Uh, this movie definitely has more going on than the nice guys did, um, but they both have that. It's a very smooth vibe, and that's something I wasn't expecting, largely because Ridley Scott directed this, Right, but he really directed the tone of the movie he wasn't going for a spectacle he he was really trying to reflect what the script has which is uh the the movie goes down smooth regardless of its its wildly varying tones at times uh, it, it I don't know. I was very impressed because I'm not the biggest fan of everything that Ridley Scott's done. He's obviously made some of the best movies
0: ever made. Blade Runner, Alien. But that's that's the 80s. Even
3: like
2: Gladiator.
0: You know, but
3: I mean, he was still like in a little bit of a run in the 2000s with Gladiator. Black Hawk Down was coming a couple of years later, which was a big movie at the time. It's it is kind of a surprising flop when you look at it. And whenever you consider, like if you just like this is one of the most forgotten about Ridley Scott movies that he's ever done. And it's just this hidden gem. Yeah. You really, you absolutely nailed it with
2: this recommendation. (laughs) Like it's, it's such a good watch. It
1: is. No. And I like, um, using the word, like it's just a smooth watch because even rewatching it, I see these scenes that stick out. Um, Ernest talking about like, I don't know, maybe a choppiness to it where I felt that with the music. And I remember the scene where it's, um, it just cuts to them at a diner getting a cup of coffee or something, and it's kind of a poppy song, and it just throws me for like fifteen or twenty seconds, but then <laughs> it's overall uh, super smooth by the end. Yeah, yeah, it that is a
2: the score is an interesting thing in the movie because it is a Hans Zimmer score. Um, a lot more like non-diagetic, like pop, yeah, like like record drop in the scene moments than than the average Hans Zimmer movie. Another thing that was unusual for him, uh, a lot there was a full orchestra used in this. Like you can hear it; it's real instrumentation. It's, they're it's big. They're guitars. But well, but there are woodwinds like you can hear higher pitch when he completely abandoned that technique later on in his career because he doesn't use real instruments anymore. Mm-hmm. It's all digitized and digitized instruments are way better at doing percussiveness. So you got to hear I the whole time in, in the OCD scenes. The score was extremely similar to the show Monk, which is obviously about Tony Shalhoub having really bad OCD. <laughs> but it, it's a lot of like almost playful clarinet. And I was like, wow, Hans Zimmer actually is playing to the movie
0: well that's so that's the point that i wanted to bring up is like ridley and and i think a lot of credit is due to the editing that is dory dorn um they do a really good job at putting you in the psychological headspace of this guy, right? So even if I did feel like I was kind of being jerked around between the con man side and the father struggling with OCD, that's kind of what this character is at. He He's having this dual life. He's all over the place. That yeah. he's trying to, to balance and, and he's not doing a very good job at it. Um, and I think that even though the movie does feel a tiny bit disjointed, it's a it's almost a feature, not a fault type of deal, mm-hmm. where that's kind of the point. That's kind of like you want to be jerked around a little bit. You want to feel it, in his psychological space, and you bring up these OCD scenes. The editing in some of these scenes mm-hmm. gets so intense; it's there's, so disorienting. There's jump cuts, and there's like uh, extreme, like warped camera angles, and like crazy color grading at some points. Mm-hmm. They they do a lot with it, and I just thought that that was very very effective.
1: I like when they chose to use those techniques, and it was even the first time might have been like thirty seconds into the movie. I can't remember Mm -hmm. what sparked it, but it just did a quick three scene cut. It's like him, maybe he looked at the carpet wrong or something. (laughs) His neuroses (laughs) they they sit right with me because it crossed my mind like my worst self is leaning towards nicholas cage's character where like uh uh like i need some time to think so let me vocalize my pausing i don't know but i see him that and then you know i don't think they did say what he was diagnosed with did they
3: no they they never actually diagnosed him it's interesting i'll save that for spoilers my thought on kind of the genius of not actually putting a diagnosis on it um Cause I think that that's a great I mean, kind of a s- twist that happens into the movie.
0: We might but- as well just get into spoilers. Um, but the movie is a $2 rental on Google play is what we watched it. Tonight.
3: It's worth $2. Come on. Yeah. What are you spending $2? on?
0: So I, I think that it's, it's well worth it. Either,
3: at least. So I would either recommend renting matchstick men 10 times or just renting future best picture where trolls world tour once.
0: Either one One of those two things. They're kind of equal. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of up in the air on that one. I I think that, you know, if you're looking at the the filmography of either Nicolas Cage or Ridley Scott, you're in for a surprise, you know, because at this at this era, it was like it wasn't like what you would call a peak. For either one of yeah, them, nor for cinema. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, that, this was the year that uh, *Lord of the Rings* won Best Picture, mm. so it was kind of heading in that blockbuster. Yeah, we were becoming what we are now. Yeah, direction. Yeah. So you know, the the movie is a little bit of a curveball uh historically, but I think just kind of plucked from that era, I think it it works really well. I got admit, I was I was skeptical going into it, but Right from the jump, seeing uh Nick Cage in this in this character as Roy, it's like there is nothing you don't enjoy about this performance. It's so good. And, you know, I, I, I think you could you could pick a part at it, especially if you try to look at it from a from a kind of uh medical perspective perspective as to like what people with obsessive compulsive disorder actually have to live through and like the struggles that they live with but i I think the movie does a good job at actually like showing you how difficult it is to to live with this illness and still give you this like really really entertaining movie Mm -hmm. so i was really happy with it
2: yeah so let's well and also i'll say don't do uh any research if you're listening to this like beyond yeah beyond what we've saying because there
0: is a lot to be spoiled yes yes so uh spoilers for matchstick men starting right now start should we start the end so no no
2: we can we can we can go earlier than that really early on in the movie i i said aloud i said is she real because that's the first place my mind went to it was you know it was this character that came out of nowhere never interacted with anyone but nicholas cage who is a man who is off meds everything was perfectly set up for her to not be real at all um that's partially correct but I was thinking she you know he she was a figment of his imagination which also would have been a way more ignorant take on mental illness than the OCD slant uh and I would have hated that uh so I I was you know I had that in mind but it still took a while for for the
3: truth to click in the only thing that I had a question about and I'm so glad that it paid off in the way that it did was the uh, therapist psychiatrist meetings. Cause at first my thought was like, Oh, this is the worst shrink ever. Like this guy sucks. Like he is encouraging all of the worst behavior Mm, in this person. And then I was like, no psychiatrist, just like keep spare OCD medicine, like in his closet. Like, and then I thought maybe those are sugar pills, which was partially correct, but I still didn't know like that this was all just a set that we are watching the grifter get grifted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Drew kind of predicted it in the middle of the movie that like maybe Sam Rockwell wasn't to be trusted. And now now that we've seen Sam Rockwell in, you know, your your three billboards and your Jojo rabbits and whatnot. He didn't he didn't drop an N word in this movie. I know (laughs) kind of what you're getting into. But I, I like him in this movie. He doesn't overstay his welcome. Um, he
3: does get to wear a cowboy hat, which is in every contract that Sam Rockwell signs. <laughs> so he's like, I get to wear a cowboy hat at some point in my movie.
0: And I I, I think that the twist of it being like everybody was in on it. Ev- pretty much every single character that you encounter in the story is part of this grift. That was really satisfying for me. It was. And you're trying to pinpoint like, oh, is it him? Is it him? Is it her? It's all. Of it's them. all of them. Everyone. And
2: also, I was because I, I kind of had that pinned a little before the reveal of it. But I was truly worried because once I knew that that was going to happen, I'm thinking, where are we ending then? Cause I like, we like Nick cage at this point. We don't care if he's a con man. We like him. We can see that he's trying to grow and change for this girl. If like, and to know that everything has been fake between them was truly hurtful. And that final scene, Yes, cashier i really it worked a lot for me it stuck a landing that was like difficulty level 10 i think to to bring it home from a spot that i was not very happy with like i wasn't
3: thrilled with when the scene began i was not thrilled maybe i'm just like a cynical asshole but i i like i liked the ending i was like oh that's sweet it's cute But I think part of me wanted a little bit more of a tragic ending. And maybe that just makes me a bad person because I did love Nick Cage throughout all of this. But like he is still like a like he has his comeuppance. Like his whole thing is like being a con man and ripping everyone off. So like I didn't I I was empathetic for him, but I wasn't sympathetic towards his. What do you
0: what do you think, Brian? Which way do you land?
1: i kind of like how it ended just uh thinking back on it now it's it's so i was thinking it's like was he a guy who really really wanted a family and it just didn't work out and he only had trouble but kind of positive memories from his first life that he talked about and he was pretty open to changing when the supposed daughter showed up in his life and i'm a sappy guy and so i like a happy ending and uh i liked it ending with the cashier because I really like the scene somewhere in the middle, where the daughter sees uh, a checkout aisle that's like completely empty, mm-hmm. pretty much. But then the cashier that he has a thing for has like six people in her aisle, and he's like, "No, this is a good one. This is the one." Like, yeah, I mean, super, that's part
0: of the that's part of the OCD it, too. It, it, it's a, to, it has to be that aisle.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: he, he loved, He's horny. He loves
1: that cashier, <laughs> um, and then he goes back for the way too formal of a handshake introduction for a cast <laughs> like,
0: Yeah, It was a lot, but... I mean, honestly, so much of this movie felt like kind of uh, uh, low-key prescient of the new post-corona world that we live in, <laughs> and the montage of him like completely cleaning the shit out of every inch of his house. That's the that's earnest whenever was, we leave. Yeah, literally, like as soon as this shit pandemic started, that was literally me everywhere in this house like that was me. <laughs> and him going in to shake this woman's hand was I saw it as a moment of growth. I saw it as like yeah. he's this really obsessive compulsive guy who can't even see a speck of dust on his carpet. And he is exchanging palm germs with this lady who's touching everybody's groceries and he's able to overcome that because of how willing he is to be with her and to talk to her Mm
2: -hmm. and i i also love that he was able to share the moment with his fake daughter at the end uh because they were both able to acknowledge that they grew from their relationship yeah um her obviously like it's less so about growth with her, but it is about the fact that it meant something. That was really all I needed to know. And as far as uh, wanting more comeuppance, I don't see a way for that puzzle piece to fit in the movie because uh, all the other bad people get away. So, it, I mean, it, it, would you want it to end with all of them going to jail?
3: Well, I so I kind of started to think that things were going to go bad for Nicolas Cage specifically whenever, uh, specifically whenever he shows up in the hospital. Cause at that moment I was like, oh, this is the sting. That this is real. like, <laughs> yeah, this is a sham building. This is not a real place that's happening. Is right that here. what
0: happens in the sting? They just, uh, construct- without
3: spoiling that, they, without spoiling the sting, they do build fake buildings. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Mission yeah. Impossible, oh, too. Yeah. Like that's Fallout. Uh, not 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 the second mission impossible mission impossible as well um oh t-o-o gotcha (laughs) mission impossible (laughs) to Fallout. i uh no but i i had a feeling that's where it was full on going i don't i don't really know i mean i still like i was happy that ended on a happy ending i think that I wanted to know what Sam Rockwell is up to now these days. Did he go to Hawaii? So th- where is where is he at these so days? So guy- I kind of have a respect for him, even if he kind of screwed Nicolas Cage over. Like I feel like Nicolas Cage was in a weird way proud of him at the right, end. Because it's the long con. It, and it was so the mentor. This- it, it, like he was the mentee to him.
0: This just- guy built a whole relationship with Nick Cage, and the whole thing was a con. Or was there maybe somewhere along the way it it faltered?
1: That's where I took it was the movie starts and it seems like they've been working together for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But then, man, I wanted to mention this about Sam Rockwell is what a gross person. Because I'm rewatching it and he kicks off his cowboy boots in like the fifth scene or something. And he's got holes in his socks with like two toes poking out. And he's in a con. I don't know. I thought these guys have some hidden wealth, but he's disgusting, and just germ wise. But uh, dang, I don't know. I was I, so I've seen it three times now, and I still don't understand the guy that punches Nicholas Cage at the end, the one they worked the long con over on, but the big yeah. one. Um, so I get that he's in on it but what's the relevance of him sitting at the wrong seat in the bar?
0: Like- I think it's a balance of the the OCD of, like, everything having to be in a very specific place for the con to play out and also the um, – the fact that he that he wanted to have something play out with the bar well, itself. So, so like and also look away. So
3: they were originally going to have the homeless guy that they talked about. They were going to pay him $50 to go in there and do the bar thing. So Nicolas Cage had to do that, like ear pulling motion in order to show him like now is the time to create a distraction. Pretty right. Pretty much. So that's why they had to be facing towards the bar. But I. I mean, I still, I, I actually, really I love Bruce McGill,
0: yeah, uh, the guy who plays perfect him, for that
3: um, role. perfect guy for that role. He's just kind of a guy who's just been around. He's a that guy in so the many scene, movies.
0: The scene where he's introduced in that club, that strip club, yeah, the strip club, that was that a rock. really great. Scene also, to an, show you an like incredible
3: Nick Cage, Sam Rockwell, like performance there of them working with each other, but like it's so many layers of acting in this movie, which I think is one of the things I appreciate about this and about so many different con movies.
0: You're, you're in the middle of, of breaking bad. Uh, Brian, you just told us, um, has anybody seen better call Saul? Some of it. Okay. Season one. That scene reminded me so much of Kim and Saul and Jimmy pulling their little, Swifts their little grifts on people like there was that same energy of these two people that work perfectly with each other and are just like mentally linked and are able to 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 con people in this super smooth way. Yeah. It gave me the exact same vibe. Well, and that's that's ultimately why I like this and
2: generally some movies like this more than I like, like the oceans movies, because it's not one giant fucking structural con. It's smaller. Scams. It is. Yeah. It comes down to uh more personal human interactions that if you just read books, like, like, Oh, con secrets revealed, you would learn all these little tricks. It's just literal, uh, physical, emotional things that you can do right to people. And I love the little scene where he uh, teaches his daughter how to uh, do the lottery scam. That was good. That was lovely. Like it was, it was just a fun little growth moment. You're seeing that they're both truly enjoying it, which is again, I needed her to, I needed her to at the end to be emotional. And I was so glad she was. Cause I, I was like, man, if she's faking this yeah, shit. <laughs> I,
3: I mean, you, you are kind of selling me on the end, on the little one year later bit, a little bit more that they both did have some kind of growth. I think one of my favorite things about this is the way that, the film doesn't do so much of it as Nicolas cage as the ray character himself does but of romanticizing this con thing that he does he like he refuses to be called a criminal he's like i'm a con artist i don't take money. money from them they give it to me i kind of love that that framing that he does in his head that's something that even if you don't have like ocd or something it's something that people who do this today still have like a broken brain that they're, they're willing to work, jump through these hoops in their head to like justify their actions. Another thing I really liked about the
2: final scene is even before uh, Allison Loman walks in and the whole tone shifts, you s- he is not working that guy. Mm-hmm. He's actually genuinely trying to help him. Like he's using like certain tactics to build a connection, but he's not, he's not fucking him over. Like he truly has changed as a human being um allison Loman, i truly enjoyed and she gets probably more screen time than sam rockwell in this movie and i think oh, that yeah. she did a great deal with it um she was 23 when she auditioned for this movie wow and it, it fits the vibe even more because she is actually not 14 and you, and can, she, you can tell well she yeah because she looks like on to catch a predator, she looks like the actresses that they hired to pretend to be the girl, <laughs> where they're like, Hey, come weird, in,
3: I made cookies. And weird, then they like run the fuck around. I some weird sexual chemistry with Nicolas Cage <laughs> at one point. That was strange. We kept making jokes that we were like, Is she going to call him daddy at some point? Or what is going on? Yeah, that
2: that was a little, I mean, this, even, even like 10 years later or whatever, this is still in the wake of like Leon the professional. It still was a thing to have strange sexual tension between older men and young girls. Right. Absolutely. The, the father Internal, like psychosexual thing uh that was much more of a thing so were cigarettes in
0: 2003 mm. obviously <laughs> so many cigarettes <laughs> that that a psychiatrist is just chiefing on the fucking tobacco Hell, that's what you did back then god damn but
2: uh allison Loman. a funny thing i found uh trivia about her she auditioned for the role without revealing her age and she dressed and acted like a 14 year old and ridley great. had no clue that she was 23 oh, that's great yeah so she landed it like organically that's then,
0: like the story of idris elba talking without a british accent when he auditioned for the wire <laughs>
2: That's fucking God yeah very very cool move um but yeah no it it's the the movie didn't fall into a trap that um bad education did in which in the beginning it is it is such it's a buddy buddy with two extremely strong actors and I'm I'm like, oh we're in for the nice guys but with Cage and Rockwell this is gonna rule and then it it pulls that rug out and you get Cage and Allison Loman and it turns out that that's even better and uh that, i wasn't expecting that once once we saw less and less of rockwell i was like oh shit
0: well part of me would put this over the nice guys this is better than the nice guys because this really leans into the mental illness part of it the the ocd i know they don't call it ocd but that's pretty much what it is um and the nice guys like you know it it doesn't really have that element no. at all the nice guys is it's just extreme. he's kind
2: of dumb it's he's a very no the nice guys is a super light-hearted movie
0: brian yeah. have you seen the nice guys
3: one of my favorite films ah, i okay. love Russell crow with ryan gosling oh yeah i mean yeah. I, I really really enjoyed that movie as well yeah it,
1: um mm-hmm. go ahead go ahead i was just gonna um say it's like uh, one of the movies I showed my girlfriend when we met. Just oh, I watched this in college. I remember it being pretty good, and it's one of like the ten that actually is still pretty good, and mm-hmm. I'm not just misremembering it. Like that movie, <laughs> it's 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 pretty damn good. Yeah
2: shane black did a good job there not so much with the predator
0: yeah no we don't we don't talk about (laughs) not so much with casting
2: his predator friend and uh (laughs) butchering his own movie because of that um but yeah i i was i was really pleasantly surprised with the fact that even though it wasn't what i wanted it to be it ended up better because of that
0: i was i was gonna say one more thing about the ending so the epilogue The daughter part, I didn't really mind. Like, that was fine. The thing that I was missing is like, I I love the fact the movie ends on him with his new woman and their new baby. But to me, we, because we get that happy ending and it makes us feel good, it sacrifices the through line of the OCD. And the mental illness. Well, and we're just led to believe that over the course of this one year, he managed to suppress it or deal with it or, or, you know it some way and there's no like button on the struggle that's with the true mental illness that that's the most well before that even the
2: most ignorant facet of how the movie treats it is that the placebo effect works very well on him yes uh in curing his very severe yeah, he's illness. taking like
0: menopause pills soy? He's menopause. Taking basically
2: sugar pills yeah it's like <laughs> a
3: soy supplement he's basically taking just like
2: sugar pills yeah which is you know that's not uh super cool but um not great ultimately it may have just yeah there could have been just a little insert shot of him taking a pill um but even without i'm led to believe that that's what's happening because you see that he is going the traditional way of living a life and if you have a mental illness the traditional way of fixing it would not be going to a drug dealer like he had been doing right uh so it yeah that i i feel like there's enough uh, leeway there it, that you but can there is know.
3: like i mean from the first scene like somebody leaves a door open while they're in the middle of a con and he starts like having a full-blown meltdown <laughs> and everything gets fish-eyed and everything's like <laughs> hyper saturated to him just being like oh cool oh, oh, yeah i can handle this i have like minor like almost yeah. like tourette's type
0: syndromes but i'm still okay and if i remember correctly Best. He doesn't even takes his, his shoes off when he walks in the house with the groceries. There's he a scene also, where he doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, yeah.
2: he
0: he also impregnated that chick real quick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we are talking about this, uh, Brian. I am. I, are you a Nick Cage guy? Are you like? Oh man. Are you a okay. Stand for no, Nick Cage? not like that.
1: But I like Are it. you aren't
3: on R slash one true god? Okay. Ronnie I was Thayer? actually
1: just thinking. I remember when I found Reddit, the biggest joke was that Nicholas Cage is God. But yeah. yeah, no, I I like him in a novelty sense and I need to watch Mandy, but yeah I was, he has I was, he has been I, great before though
3: no, so what we were t- i was <laughs> making the joke while watching this movie is that nick cage has like it, he has it like written in his contract that every woman just wants to have sex with him immediately <laughs> because that's a thing in like every nick cage movie is that every woman just sees nick cage and they're like god i just love you and that giant forehead of yours and that receding hairline just give yeah, that to oh, me that right
2: hairline, now baby. ultimately the the reasoning behind it is these movies are written uh, and obviously the writer can assume that the leading man is going to be attractive and then they cast Nick
0: Cage. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's that's the actual reasoning. Well, we mentioned it at the beginning of, of the review is like he has these micro expressions that he's able to achieve that no other actor can can hit the certain sweet spot that he can. Like there's this one moment Oh my God. The moment where he first meets the quote unquote daughter and takes her out to eat and she's honking down on that burger and it cuts to him staring at her as she's eating the burger. Just perfect reaction shot of this man.
1: So then on a rewatch, I see these things and I'm thinking, Oh, Sam Rockwell knows exactly what to tell this random Mm -hmm. girl in town. Like, to comment because
3: like that's the worst thing to do, you know yeah yeah i i really i really <laughs> want to rewatch this movie now knowing like the big twist to go back through the knowing seeds. that and to watch all the seeds because mm-hmm. i feel like i mean ridley scott is a very smart director and did he write this film no now? no
0: ridley's not a writer he he never goes for yeah. the screenplay. I think the based only, on a book by Eric Garcia,
3: you, just I mean, he's a smart enough director, though, that I know that he planted these seeds throughout this story that I want to go back through and like kind of find all the little moments knowing to distrust Sam Rockwell and the entire motives of the film for written the by the writer of Ocean's Eleven.
0: What do you Yo. know? Oh, <laughs> huh.
3: there you
2: go. Ted Griffin. The man's did it. Him and I would assume his brother, another Griffin, who has uh, much fewer writing credits. Uh, but yeah, there are there are a lot of little things interspersed that would be fun to rewatch, but also fun to rewatch because it's a very watchable movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a damn shame this didn't take off because you know what a movie that really takes off can do for the careers of like the lesser known people involved with it. And they didn't get that shot, even though I feel they truly deserved it. This was just supremely enjoyable.
0: Well, just, just Ridley on his own. So he you know, obviously came out of the gates swinging with Alien and Blade Runner. Uh, He did Thelma and Louise in 91. Uh, Then Gladiator came later in 2000. Then he had in 01, he had Hannibal, which was the big follow-up to Silence of the Lambs and Black Hawk Down, both in the same year. So this, like right there, that run is like, just god tier okay and then this (laughs) yeah so this is like this is a great fucking movie but this is a stumble compared to winning best picture for gladiator yeah and then doing two blockbusters after that
2: speaking of runs here cage this was right at the end of nick cage's like it's he never had like an actual god tier run he's always had a bunch of weird roles Mm -hmm. i mean Um, he's late 90s into 2000s he's in so much
0: like absolute garbage
2: especially right after this like a couple years after this is when he like you know his money troubles started surfacing and so he started just taking every single role he could get uh just this little three run this three movie run we got here though It starts with Adaptation in O2. Match Stigma the next year probably is two best that I've ever seen. Uh, And then National Treasure, baby.
3: Well, I mean, even Um, before. That's
2: the best, actually. Let's fucking go. I
3: mean, you can extend that back to, I believe, 95 or is it 96? 95, he wins the Oscar for leaving Las Vegas. That's his actual, like, run. Then 96 is The Rock, the best Michael Bay movie. Then Con Air, Face Face Off, Off, City of Angels, Snake Eyes, and -hmm. then a couple other things, Gone in 60 Seconds. And then a couple years later, we have Adaptation. Yeah. Hey. That is an insane like ten year run that Nicolas Cage is on.
1: Pretty much before Money Troubles start, hearing all those different movies, it's so funny because the second movie I think of with Nicolas Cage is Leatherman, or maybe Yo, hey, right? Good movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like,
0: that was 05. So that was That's in the run. Let's put oh, it in there. That's, a that's
3: the 10-year run. the 10-year run. That was the that was the end of it. That's what so, it all. Ended. Yeah, so
0: if you if you keep going past National Treasure, which was 04, you get Lord of War uh and the Weatherman, both in 05. And then the ant bully anybody? Yeah, he voiced Zoc. I'm not looking at IMDB. I just know
2: that. <laughs>
0: Zoc and then then yeah then it was world trade center then the wicker man remake and then ghost rider hey and then grindhouse so, yeah. so ghost rider oh seven literally one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life
3: uh the wicker man the remake i've never seen it the most like unnecessary remake of all time just go see the original wicker man it's still a classic classic and it holds up perfect bad lieutenant port of call new orleans <laughs> astro boy <laughs> Hey, kickass!
2: He's he's done a lot. He has a crazy career, such as the life of the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola. I guess doors just tend to open. Look, here's open. the thing. I Isn't that love crazy? Nicolas
3: Cage. I. I, I really enjoyed Mandy. Um, yeah, me and, that was just a, mo- a podcast with me and Ernest because I saw that movie uh, and I was like, oh, Drew would not like this. Yeah. movie." Um, that was <laughs> I said that while watching the movie. Mandy don't recommend that to you. I can recommend it to Nicholas. I don't fans. think
0: they had a script filming that movie. <laughs> yeah, it
3: was I think like that that's just filled, they were like, like Nicholas Cage trippy. just makes him like crazy, unhinged faces. <laughs> and we'll just write a story around that. <laughs>
0: uh well this movie i think was a really really good time i genuinely enjoyed all the twists and turns i thought that nick cage's performance is the thing that kind of ties the whole thing together it's what you're there for and what leaves you what 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 stays lingering with you after you see
1: it so i loved it the movie works what's up oh so I've got um, two things I wanted to share that have no real place naturally in the movie discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Here okay. for it. So, That's very much this podcast. I love the spoiler segment. I always do. I listen to, it doesn't matter, the searching episode. I'm always finding old episodes for you guys. Nice. Yeah. Did
0: you see that movie?
1: I did, you did saw searching? actually. Yeah, I listened to... That's a great movie. Yeah, I wish I would have caught it in theaters, but the whole mobile phone screen computer screen it still works well on my tv um so okay doing some vague research sam rockwell and nicholas cage are both in 105 movies currently wow what? that's not i know both of them 105 i didn't know sam rockwell was that that's a prolific. Lot of work that's he's wh- very busy i know he's been in a ton of stuff but geez blew my mind um and then okay was this movie released before magnolia or after after oh, okay. magnolia was 1999 yeah i recognized his ex-wife at the end john c riley's love interest yep and i Correct. can't. yeah yeah i meant to
2: bring her up um it's mel 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 something it's mel her name's mel <laughs> i
3: don't, don't have think that's, that's her name melts. uh
1: sheila mel- kelly <laughs> melnolia <laughs>
3: Uh, Drew's doing. We have our uh, our our producer is doing research as we are speaking here. He's scrolling. He's, he's scrolling, scrolling he's through clicking, there. Clicking. Her name is Tom
2: Cruise. Oh,
3: God. <laughs> that's it. That, that was the one. That was the one.
2: Julianne
0: um, Moore. Melora uh, Walters. I was right. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. All right. Well, any final thoughts on Matchstick Men, fellas? Um, I was just going to say it's a really,
3: really good movie. You mentioned it's like two, three bucks. Watch this movie. Like I, that is one thing that I have enjoyed about theaters being closed. We talked about it a a little bit. Is that like, guess what? There's so many great movies that are just already out. And when you think about some of the movies that we have reviewed before, because it's like the new hot movie that we have to talk about. We have to talk about cats this week, guys. Black Widow. We have to talk about the Predator.
0: You know, and- you know how rel- much of a relief it's been to not have Marvel dominate the summer? It's like, great. obviously, there's a fucking pandemic, but we get to I, I, I honestly I genuinely feel like if this pandemic wouldn't have happened, we probably wouldn't have seen the new Spike Lee movie. It just would have been this like, oh, I'll get to it. Oh, I'll I'll put it on the list that one day I'll watch it, and it became like the movie. Well, it got moved up
3: because of oh, that's it was supposed to come up in November, but it was supposed to be more of an Oscar movie. Now it probably won't get any Oscar love, but that's (laughs) fine. Um, shout out to Delroy Lindo, we love that guy. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am happy that this time has given us a break to not only like I've been going back and like. Because, you know, I'm like a, a a snobby piece of shit. And I'm like, oh, let's dive into some French new wave films. Let's check out some Jean-Luc Godard and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The 400 Blows. Yeah, I've yeah. been watching some shit like that. But also just to watch like movies like Matchstick Men, movies that are like kind of forgotten by time, but in great film yeah. careers. his it's It's a really interesting uh, sweet spot of a movie
2: because there is a certain genre of movie that is underrated movies which is movies that are called underrated so much that they're not uh reddit is famous for creating these <laughs> movies As, you know does anyone else like the nice guys has anyone else seen moon they go <laughs> moon. fucking nuts they it's always um, the they get, rockwell. yeah Over. they get posted once a week on the movie subreddit until they are no longer underrated this movie i've seen like no discourse around and it was really truly great and uh it's kind of a shock because there's no reason that I guess there's there's not a reason What's, to seek it out unless, you know, it's going to be good.
3: I know the worst uh, Reddit movie is in Bruges. In Br- oh. oh, my God. They go, <laughs> oh, <laughs> has <Another> anyone heard? <laughs> yeah. Made by a guy who made a Sam Rockwell movie
0: in Martin McDonough. Yeah.
2: Great, great guy. Leo. So,
0: so what other Ridley movies do you think we should get into, Brian? Should we should we get into Body of Lies, starring Leo? Um, Exodus, Gods and Kings, starring Christian Bale. Well, okay.
1: So I was <laughs> looking through it. And then I, I wouldn't say the Exodus movie, but because I haven't seen it myself, I have a thing for Gladiator, and uh, a lot of people I know do more than i mean my home ec teacher in high school i remember that was her movie she put on if we're gonna watch a movie home ec huh it was i know i know i know i know (laughs) miss heenick loves gladiator and
0: she wanted you to learn how the the romans did their stitchings with
1: all the wheat they had yarn and maybe yeah
0: <laughs> okay.
3: Well, hundreds- hey, look, I'm about to get to The Gladiator because it comes it won best picture in 2001. Yeah,
0: so maybe that can be the next app um, we have you on. Is- hey,
3: I loved The Gladiator as a kid. I haven't seen it since I was really young, I think. I think I saw it whenever I was like Ten or twelve, Ooh. which is kind of a really good sweet spot to see that movie as like a young teenager, and you're like, yeah, movies are good. I also saw Terminator at the same time, and I said that Terminator changed my life. The Michael Bay film. So you no you, not wait, Terminator, ter- what or uh, 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 Transformers? So I'm, Transformers. <laughs> I'm talking about Transformers. Transformers. I I had too many claws. We got to end the podcast This
0: this podcast has been brought to you by White Claws, specifically the Tropical Pack, I believe. It's the one I've been getting. It's pack number two. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a fan of the Black Cherry. So mm, Black Cherry gotta is Got to get good. that first variety. Brian, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show for the first time. We hope to have you on again soon. Is there anything you want to let the people know other than the fact that you are the uh, biggest um, uh, shareholder of the We Bottom Mike empire?
1: I've got three things. Okay, one. Mason Crosby, the kicker for the Green Bay Packers, looks like Timothy Oliphant. (laughs) I just want anyone to look those up. That's true. That's great.
2: That
3: is a great.
2: I I already, I already know what he looks. Yeah, that's dead right. Justified. Terrific.
1: Um, I strongly (laughs) believe the Utah Jazz have a chance to win the championship if it even happens in Florida. My guys, wait, are you a
3: Jazz fan? I am. I am. Okay. I was wondering if you were an OKC guy or not, but nah, I, I yeah. didn't no. well because they're newer too, so it's not like in not like you live. The in Oklahoma make well it makes sense.
1: all my friends are OKC fans um because of like the Midwest uh, association, but I am a contrarian and mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like their uniforms from like the eighties, the seventies and i'm kind of you think that
3: you think that jordan made up the flu game and that he was actually like perfectly healthy
1: and malone got robbed yes i think the last dance was a sham. he and (laughs) mj shouldn't have had any control that he did but uh yeah no i'll i'll take the jazz till i die i'm so excited for the freaking playoffs to come back uh wrapping Mm. it up third thing i'm pretty certain my girlfriend has gladiator on blu-ray if not dvd because we talk about it all the time so if you guys talk about gladiator man i'd jump on shoot the crap for a bit about it yeah, oh,
0: yeah we'll we'll let you know because we've been waiting for when we're gonna join hunter on his uh best picture journey so he was you know he was talking about like grand hotel and don't just don't
3: throw this on me because you don't know your shit about film history like don't don't put this burden on
0: well once he gets to the 90s it's uh, well he just did the 70s so that was a whole thing yeah i'm in the 80s but once he gets to the 90s it's like all right now it's time to jump in because we're talking (laughs) silence of the lands we're talking titanic like there's some heavy hitters in there so uh I mean, once you wrap the whole thing up, that's going to have to be. A Look, I'm even down to just do a whole Lord of the Rings episode because I'm
1: so Damn.
3: hyped to just watch through all the yes. Lord of the Rings movies uh. and the extended editions and everything yes. else to get
0: ready for Return of the King. So. All right, Brian, thank you so much. Be like Brian and support this podcast with your donations if you can. If not, then go ahead and give us a review or a share or a like or uh, a follow on our social medias at we bought a mic. We thank you every week. We thank you all the time. And especially today as a guest, thank you so much for coming on, man. You rule. Um, stick around for next week. We do have a, uh, avatar. The last airbender pod coming as soon as Hunter finishes the show. Um, I'm already wrapped up with it. So as soon as that happens, that'll be coming and Hey, maybe more, uh, old movies from the mid-2000s like this one. Who knows? Who knows what we got? So thanks again, Brian. Thank you for listening. Uh, Take care. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
3: Bye.